and welcome to the Motherland podcast. I'm Charlotte Philby, founder and editor of Motherland, which is a digital platform for women who happen to be mums. I'll be joined by various experts and commentators to talk around a range of issues related to pregnancy, birth and parenting. So this afternoon I'm joined by midwife extraordinaire and mother of two, Clemmy Hooper. Hiya. Who is also behind the marvellously popular gas and air blog.com blog um, and co-founder of the Calm Birth School launched in last November, Holly DeCruz. Hi. Um, this afternoon we're going to be talking about preparing for birth, so physically, emotionally, practically. Um, so ladies, clearly being pregnant and building up to what's going to be the greatest challenge in your life ever and also the greatest unknown comes with a whole range of emotions and questions and panics. Um, as parents <laughs> and professionals in the field, you've both been on either side of the process. So if you could just introduce me to you and sort of your credentials. Yeah. So Clemmy, you've got two kids. Yep. I've got two girls. They're seven and four. Yep. Marvellous. Um, and as a midwife, sort of what's your, what do you do? Do you work in the community or? Yep. So I do something called caseloading midwifery. Yep. Um, I work in South East London yep. with a small group of midwives and there's six of us in total. And we look after around 18 to 20 women a month. Okay. Um, and we look after them from the moment they book their pregnancies, around eight to ten weeks, up until their postnatal period, which can be up until three weeks. Yeah. So um, case owning means women have their own midwife throughout, mm. um, and then we're on call for their birth within our team. So we um, aim to deliver all our women, whether it's at home or hospital, um, and our women can choose, even in labour, where they want to birth their baby. That's amazing. I'm definitely going to come back to that, because I know that the sort of the, the notion of caseloading and continuity of care versus like seeing a million different midwives during mm. your pregnancy and then somebody, a complete stranger during labour is sort yeah. of something that is definitely, definitely mm. heavily on people's minds at the moment. So we're going to come back to that point. Great. Um, and Holly, so you run the Calm Birth School. Yeah, I'm co-founder of the Calm Birth School um, and I'm a hypnobirthing teacher as well. So I do um, face-to-face classes and I've got a little boy who's four. Um, so I was a graphic designer before I had my son and then when I was pregnant I was pretty terrified about giving birth so ended up on a hypnobirthing course which I thought sounded a bit woo-woo and a bit um, bit strange but it completely changed everything for me and I had an amazing birth and I thought why aren't all women doing this why aren't women birthing this way so I retrained and that's how I became a hypnobirthing teacher and then started the calm birth school amazing yeah in terms of sort of how it can help women like so just to give a bit of my background so I've got two kids Mm -hmm. one of whom is uh four and a little girl and then I've got uh my son is 15 months old um for my daughter I was completely terrified Mm -hmm. um and I ended up actually having a cesarean because I had um I just didn't go into labor basically about two weeks after I was still sort of Waiting, waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting. Um, so the second time around, I decided to have hypnotherapy. Okay. Yeah, which was actually brilliant. And the same situation happened in the end that I just didn't dilate. So I had to have yeah. a cesarean. But in the build-up, it was actually amazing because I sort of went to see a hypnotherapist, but I also did listen to this CD at night time. Mm-hmm. And it had this amazing effect whereby me and my husband would just be lying in bed just like, feeling blissful so <laughs> blissed out yeah. it was ridiculous Aww. even now like literally if something's going on we're like should we listen to the yeah. cd we're like, okay. <laughs> get the tape yeah. come in find him like cuddled up listen to it. um so i think it's really interesting sort of thinking and i'd love to hear from you about how it can be used at various stages in different ways like yeah to different extents yeah so i mean it's not just something for birth i think because it's called hypnobirthing people just think you're going to be in some kind of trance for the birth and that's it but it's mm. it's really about the preparation as well so for 
as someone who's really scared about birth, it kind of empowers them with an understanding of birth. So it's amazing how how many women um, are pregnant but don't actually look into what birth is. Yeah. They just kind of hope for the best and think, oh, well, there's pain relief and I'll get through it somehow and I'll get a baby and that's all that matters. Yeah. And hypnobirthing is really about educating women to say, look, this is how your body works and this is how you can work with it. Yeah. And for most women, what happens is they go into labour and then they work against their labour and it's really painful and it's long and it's, you know, it can be traumatic. So hypnobirthing is about um, learning how to deeply relax. Yeah. So, you know, in our society, we don't really relax very much. We're always doing something, we're connected. So it's about stopping all of that, learning how to disconnect, learning how to deeply relax, because it is a skill yeah. and it's something you have to learn and practice. So hypnobirthing is about the practice that you do in your pregnancy to prepare for your birth, then doing that in your birth and then afterwards as well. So, you know, no one said motherhood is easy. It's mm. going to be stressful at times. But if you can approach it feeling calm and equipped with some tools to keep you calm, then I think that's a an amazing thing. Brilliant. Mm. Um, Clemmy, what's the sort of thing that women tend to come to you with the kind of concerns or questions or just issues that, you know, sort of initially sort of subsume you when you mm. find out that you're having a baby for the first time or even for the second or third yeah time. um i mean certainly for second time mums if they've had what they would consider a traumatic um first birth they carry a lot of those worries into their second pregnancy um i'm seeing a, a lot of women who haven't necessarily let go or come to terms with what happened in their first labor whether it was a failed induction that ended up with a c-section mm-hmm. um you know a traumatic forceps delivery um a big um postpartum hemorrhage um, even episiotomy when they're cut um, vaginally to deliver their baby. So I see a lot of women who have a lot of previous trauma from their first birth and go into their second birth with all this trauma, all this fear, yeah. and they're just unable to, A, enjoy their pregnancy because they're just building up to what could be potentially the same thing again. That's all mm. they see it in their mind. Or they come to me at booking and say, I had X, Y, and Z in my first um, birth. I definitely want a lecture section. Yeah. And it really does take um, the time through their pregnancy, so to their sort of 40 weeks, which is full term, for myself and my colleagues. I mean, like I said, we work in a team to really build these women's confidences and make them realise that it wasn't necessarily their fault what happened first time. Um, We've got a really good relationship with our lead consultant at our hospital, so we get the women's notes if they've birthed there mm. to read their notes and actually see what happened, why did that happen. Oh, your baby was actually in not the greatest position and that couldn't have been avoided in labour. Um, so that when they get to 40 weeks, they've come to a place where they think, OK, if I am going to go for a vaginal birth, I feel really confident about it because yeah. I know that the things that went wrong the first time weren't in my control and how I can change that and if they want to go for an elective section we really try and make that elective section really powerful really really you know beautiful elective section can just be great you know for some women I think a lot of women still feel that it's a cop-out to have an elective section but you know if that's the most important thing for you and especially when you've got a toddler at home people don't necessarily want to go through maybe days and days of labour again they've had a traumatic first time and you know things like just having skin to skin in theatre immediately when the baby's born yeah dad cutting the cord we can do in theatre yeah. um and yeah elective section is you know positive as well it's all about positive birth mm. absolutely well i mean i had <clears throat> second time round. i tried to have a v-back so a vaginal delivery yeah. after vaginal birth after <laughs> section <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> um and 
I mean, I don't think I've basically had a brilliant midwife who sort of coached me through the fact that, yeah, we're definitely going to try for this and we're going to make it, you know, as empowering in the build up and you're going to do everything you can. And in the end, it just came to a situation where I knew that it was going to be a repeat scenario mm. and I just felt like I'm going to have a section. And to be honest, the first time round, I found it really traumatic. I was 27. I was fit. I imagined just to, you know, have a section bounce back and it really didn't happen like that for me. So the second time round, I was kind of filled with fear about that. Um, but it was just so much better. And I think it's because mentally I'd sort of come around to the idea that it could happen. Um, and obviously it was difficult having a three-year-old and all those other things. You know, it's it's not easy. But I think it's it definitely felt to me like it proved it's about what you, the decision that you make yeah. and how you sort of respond to it. So I definitely think that, you know, however you birth yeah. can be. I think thing. I think that's a really really valid point and I think that's so mm. important in how we speak to women and communicate with women because certainly with a calm birth school what kind of sets it apart is that we are looking to improve women's birth experiences yeah. so with hypnobirthing alone you'll find a lot of hypnobirthing teachers that are all about natural birth you have to have a natural birth you know have it in the water have it at home kind of you know have it quietly it's not necessarily about that and I think that's a bit of a um, misconception of hypnobirthing so with a calm birth school we've really tried to change that and say look every woman's birth is going to be different yeah. my business partner had um, a lovely home birth really cha like challenging difficult but really empowering at home really blissful yeah. I planned a home birth and had an emergency cesarean but it was still the most positive empowering amazing experience of my life and I loved every moment of it so it's for us we're coming at it from a place where we have had different births and that's what we're bringing to the table saying look we want to empower you to make the best decisions for you on the day it's not necessarily about birthing a certain way or not having pain relief or you know it doesn't have to be that prescriptive I think that's really interesting because mm. I think that people do like obviously anything about motherhood and pregnancy and birth is so emotive and, yeah. so, and judge and so much judging yeah. yeah women I mean you know women judge each other and judge themselves yeah and I think that something like hypnobirthing that people might come to sort of with misconceptions yeah that is something that you only do if you like want to be the ultimate earth and you're a vegetarian and vegetarian <laughs> obviously <laughs> incense burning yeah <laughs> um, and you know and almost that like it's um sort of challenging you to do things in one way only but yeah. I think if you can actually look at it and say regardless of what you're doing like I said I ended up having a cesarean but it still felt like it was something that calmed me and prepared yeah. me in the build and up. the right birth for you exactly that it, you haven't failed at anything it's not the wrong way to birth exactly birth it's just, about just comes in, yeah and birth comes up you know in so many shapes and forms and as well as healthy outcomes it's about women that feel good about themselves yeah. and that start their journey of motherhood feeling really confident and thinking I'm a, I'm a goddess, I can yeah. do this, you know, mm -hmm. I've done a really amazing job here, not thinking, oh God, all my friends had natural water births and I mm -hmm. had a cesarean, you know, it's, yeah. it doesn't need to be that way. Yeah, you can I support each other rather than judging each other. Definitely, and picking up what Holly was saying, I think there's a real shift in this kind of um, idea process that women go, oh, well, it doesn't, doesn't really matter because I've got a healthy baby at the end of it, but actually mm. what women are starting to say is, um, yes, okay, I didn't have my home water birth, I ended up with a cesarean section, but I feel really empowered because the choices were made you know with my partner and I we yeah. were never pushed into this yes of course I've got a healthy baby at the end of it but I feel empowered from the birth experience I've had yeah and I think women are really starting to believe that and think yeah. that and that they deserve that it's not Absolutely. just about a healthy baby hang on I deserve to experience something really fantastic Absolutely. Yeah, and not to feel like yeah. a sort of a failure class, or second yeah. class yeah. Or why should that? women feel like that yeah. Yeah. you know Absolutely. this is 2015 yeah. women should have a voice and have yeah. choices and be supported in those choices yeah. and motherhood isn't about nothing if not being pragmatic
Absolutely. <laughs> and picking your battle. <laughs> picking your battle, very much so. Um, so, Chloe, in terms of sort of what you've... Um, what you would say to women in the first instance who come yeah. to you, obviously every pregnancy is different, every yeah. woman, every child, different. But in terms of just sort of like gathering your internal strength and just sort of thinking about how you can best approach the first nine, you know, the, the first, the, the nine months, mm. <laughs> that, and then the actual birth experience. Mm. I think it's really important to do your reading. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about preparation for birth and I read this incredible statistic that most women spend about 15 months planning their wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and only about two weeks planning their birth. I mean, yeah. planning may necessarily isn't the right word used, but thinking about their yeah. birth. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of women pay um, to go to antenatal classes, such as NCT and other ones are available. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I don't necessarily that, think that is all you can do. Um, you know, reading one book isn't going to tell you everything you need to know. You need to be really careful about the information you're getting. A lot of these books are American books that have been adapted for um for british readers yeah um i think you need to do as much reading as possible because that's going to give you the most questions yeah um and everything will say oh recommended by your doctor or midwife but actually that isn't always the case Mm. and you know the word that we're using a lot today i'm already hearing is choice yeah and Mm. everything is your choice women can choose to birth their baby in whatever they where they want Mm -hmm. as long as they that woman is well informed of the decisions she's made then as healthcare providers as midwives and obstetricians we should support that and shouldn't judge women for that um i definitely think doing some kind of um exercise in pregnancy is vital i think women and think I'm pregnant. I can eat for two now. <laughs> you know, you get really hungry at different phases of your pregnancy. Get the Costa yeah. cream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, we're really trying to shift that mentality in women that maybe your mums or your grandmothers might be saying, "Oh, when I was pregnant, we ate for two. Yeah. Actually, that's not a great idea at all. Yeah. We know that um, you know obesity is a massive problem in the UK, especially in pregnancy, and that leads to things like diabetes mm. and raised blood pressure. So I always say to women, "You're pregnant, and you should be eating for yourself." and not thinking about eating for another human in terms mm. of portion sizes, which we're all quite guilty of, aren't we? Yeah. Well, with or without pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it can be difficult if you've got, you know, a child at home and it's so easy to want to finish their fish fingers and yeah. and chips and peas at tea time. Yeah. Um, but just really think about what you're putting into your body. And what kind of nutrition, like what sort of foods will provide the kind of nutrition that you particularly need in pregnancy? Are, are there any sort of like, you know, superfoods that you should be focusing on? It's or... kind of variety, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, you know, superfoods are such an on-trend yeah. phrase, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Juicing and all of that. A lot of my women um, do a lot of green juicing in pregnancy. And that's brilliant. You know, if, if you're one of these people that can't always get breakfast into you because you're busy rushing having a green smoothie a green juice is brilliant there's all your nutrients in that um but you know there's nothing abnormal in pregnancy that you should be doing there's no kind of secrets in terms of food it's just eating the right things at the right times and the right size portions yeah um you know you can eat red meat it's absolutely fine to eat red meat you know we just say make sure it's well cooked don't eat anything too undercooked you've got to be thinking mainly the most important thing is your iron levels especially towards the end of pregnancy yeah um, so really look at the foods that are really packed full of iron. Yeah. Holly, will you actually talk me through sort of in in terms of the process? So what would someone do if they came to you for hypnobirthing? 
Good question. So what would happen is with a calm birth school, it's a video course. Yeah. So it's the world's first hypnobirthing video course. So, yeah. so for most women, they have to find a teacher near them. But for a lot of women, they don't have a teacher near them or they don't have time to go to another antenatal class. So they go to the calmbirthschool.com. Yeah. They sign up for our classes. Yeah. And then they get video classes delivered to their inbox once a week for four weeks. Amazing. So you could be anywhere You can in the be world. sat at home in your knickers and your slippers watching our video. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be, um, you know, make yourself respectable or anything. Mm. And then you watch the videos with your partner, ideally, mm-hmm. because it's there's things for both of you to learn. So um, it's broken down into modules. So there's 13 short videos in total. Mm. And then there's five MP3s as well. So you listen to tracks that will help you during labour. And the videos cover everything from the physiology of birth, so how birth actually works physically, the psychology of birth, so how the mind affects what's going on in the body, um, the birth environment, choosing the best people to have with you, um, like choosing your caregivers, choosing your birth partner the role of the birth partner which mm. is a massive one and then we've got three breathing techniques which we teach to facilitate what's happening in your body during labor and birth um what happens afterwards you know so many people focus on having the baby and then it's like well what about the placenta yeah. and what about you know learning how to care for your baby and importance of skin to skin and bonding breastfeeding and so on and do you do, is, there, is it sort of like a series of mantras? Like, you know, if, is it something that you listen to at night to sort of repeat? Yeah, so and... the relaxation track you listen to every night. Yeah. And you also get an affirmations track. So that's positive affirmations for yeah. birth. And I think, like, Clemmy always tells me that when she goes to birth, so women mm. I've taught, they often have their affirmations on in the background. Mm, and it's things like, great. I'm a strong, capable woman. Mm. And, you know, positive statements. That's Even make around them... their house as yeah. well, antenatally. Yeah. Like, little, yeah. uh, We're going to use their, pictures. like, downstairs loo, and it's just there on the door. <laughs> like, yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> yes. I am and um yeah so there's certainly things like mantras and visualizations um and we have a fear release mp3 so that women Mm -hmm. can acknowledge fears they have and then listen to this mp3 to help them release those fears Mm. a powerball mp3 so that if they Mm -hmm. feel kind of shaken at any time so if let's say they meet up with their best mate and their best mate says oh yeah i pooed everywhere and you know they give them a horror story they can go home and think no i don't need that crap i I can still have a good experience just to kind of recharge them and um, there's also something that I really love is that we've created a bit of an online sisterhood. Yeah. So we've got a private Facebook group yeah. where Susie and I are in every day. And Susie's and, your co-founder. Yeah, Susie's my co-founder. Yeah. And we are there to offer support for women 24-7. So if they have a question, say they watch one of our videos and they think, mm, when am I meant to practice that breathing technique? They come in the Facebook group, they ask it, and we say, this is when you're meant to practice it. That's and also cool. they can share the support of other women. So other women might say, oh, I was on the bus today and I listened to my affirmations on it and it really helped me. And, you know, that's great for women to be sharing that kind of inspiration, support and all working towards creating a positive birth experience because it makes it normal. And if you feel other people are with you on the journey, it makes Mm -hmm. it so much more enjoyable. So it gives you more confidence and you feel supported and held. And I think that's really, really important. And it's it's funny because as... Uh, as a sort of British nation, we're so naturally cynical. Yes. And I think we're kind of embarrassed, to, you know, kind of positive affirmations. Like, yeah, it's a bit wishy washy. It's a kind it? of cringe. Or yeah, it's a bit recoil like, a bit. Yeah. yeah. But actually, it's it, it doesn't see, I mean, it seems to me like it's not about sort of like, you know, abstract sort of. You yeah, know, totally. Like and, you know, fairy. Susie and I, we're not vagina whisperers. We're not kind of, we don't do the hippie shizzle. We are. We're just real mums. Yeah. You know, we've had really different births, but positive ones. And we just want to help women create mm. better birth experiences. I was just thinking of going back to what you were saying about birth planning. I mean, I, I'm wondering whether sort of in a in a world now where obviously we have choice, but the fact is 
that the what happens in our birth is very much determined by what happens with our bodies and various factors that we're not necessarily in control of. Does that deem having a birth plan irrelevant to an extent? What kind of things should people be thinking about in that preparation yeah. stage? I mean, I know a lot of women that don't necessarily like to call it a birth plan, but I think it's just a, a phrase that's been picked up and is used in a lot of um, the pregnancy books. And even in your NHS maternity notes, it will say, you know, birth plan. Just call it ideas, maybe. I don't okay. know. Maybe change the word plan to help you. Um, the main thing is that you don't need to be an expert in birth to be able to have a baby. But what you do need to know about is all your options and potentially all the outcomes so that when you're in labour and a doctor or a midwife mentions these things you kind of want to know what they are yeah. and if you don't know what they are be prepared to ask questions because this is your body if a doctor's saying we think it's necessary to deliver your baby now by a forceps delivery we need to put you in the lithotomy position do most women know what lithotomy is mm. no <laughs> and we've it's, had how many children between us yeah. <laughs> it's the old-fashioned word for, it's stirrups basically okay. mm. um and you know for your birth partner he may have no idea what that is yeah. and you know when you're in that setting when especially in a hospital when you're taking lead from the experts you know the midwives and the doctors you will just kind of nod and go, okay, well, whatever you say, it's mm. obviously best my baby. Mm. But then months down the line, your partner may actually be really traumatised by seeing your legs going into the lithotomy position, yeah, into yeah. the forceps. That's not really an ideal way to see your loved one, is it, having yeah. having a baby? Um, we, we use kind of an acronym in, at the Calm Birth School. We have the brain Oh, yeah, thing. brain. Yeah. So that's the, in when you're in labour or in pregnancy or whenever, yeah. you ask these questions um, and it will lead you to be able to make an, an informed decision. So it's brain and that's benefits so what are the benefits for me and my baby for for this option yeah risks um what are the risks for me and my baby for this option a is alternatives what are my other options at this point i is instinct so that's a big one you know using your what does your gut say what does mother's instinct say and n is nothing what happens if i choose to do nothing for mm. the next two hours or 12 hours yeah and if you answer all those things you can think right okay let's think about that and let's make the right decision for us because then it's not a disempowering experience. Yeah. If women just feel like some you know, obstetricians come in and taking control, they're like, what happened there? Mm, but if they think, okay, I've got all of this information and this feels like the best decision for me and my baby, mm -hmm. that's going to be a positive birth experience and that is vital, I think. I, re yeah. you know, I really do. Yeah. That's funny, actually, that you should say about, sort of, about doing nothing. I feel like with both of my births actually mm. to a lesser extent with the second one because mm. I sort of had the wisdom of the first but actually at the time I felt like the midwife was saying to me we need to induce you but I think actually I was picking out the words I wanted to hear which were you will induce me and then my baby will come quicker because I feel like an yeah. elephant and I cannot move <laughs> and I want it out of yeah. me whereas actually one of my good friends had a very similar situation she went over they offered her an induction and actually she refused it and she went into spontaneous labour and and you know, it's hard to know what causes what, obviously, mm. because each birth is different, blah, blah, blah. But I wonder, actually, if I just left the induction, because actually, if you look at different places, they kind mm. of consider just the gestational period to yeah. be yeah. even a week apart. Well, so and, and, and anything from 37 to 42 weeks is full term. term. You exactly. know, 41 weeks isn't a week late. It's yeah. just within your term period. And but I think we're getting we've got an obsession with dates. Yeah, and you're like, late. Yeah. 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 When's like, baby yeah. coming? People yeah. flooding you with messages like, so where is it? Yeah. Like, it's on your still up my family. Leave yeah. me alone. Do you not think that I'm already a little bit preoccupied with this question? Yeah. Leave me. 
Um, because whose business is it? You yeah, know, exactly. the mums at the school gates. It's like saying, when's your period due? Isn't you know, it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I'm due on the 14th, actually. Yeah, you yeah. When yeah. are you getting paid? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, it's really... But why is it so normal for women to be able to... Well, anyone to be able to say that to women? Well, anything to do with pregnancy and babies. There's just like, like this... Or yeah. you're big, or yeah, you're exactly. a bit small. Yeah. Thanks. Are you expecting twins? Like, yeah. would you like me to punch you in the face? Yeah. It's so offensive. You would never go up to someone and say, you've put on a bit of weight, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. And then rub their tummy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. I hope we're really changing that. I was just picking up on what you said about... Um, your friend refusing yeah. um, induction. And I think, again, the language of what yeah. we're using in, um, you know, in midwifery and pregnancy, you know, refusing, we we prefer to say decline. Yeah. Or sure. choosing not to. Choosing not to, because <laughs> yeah. refusing sounds no. almost quite violent, quite yeah, aggressive. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. And I hear so many times from women saying, oh, they wouldn't let me go over. You yeah. know, they. Or not allowed. They? Yeah. Not allowed to go overdue, yeah. or they wouldn't let me get off the bed. Yeah. Or so what are they going to do, put you in prison? Yeah, they <laughs> wouldn't <laughs> let me. I'm like, hang on a minute, whose birth is this? Whose baby is mm. this? What are we scared of here? Are we working towards a system like in America where it's going to become you know, so about litigation. Yeah, absolutely. And it also feels a bit like just through the language, it shows that we feel like there's a culture where we're almost on a different side to the the medics or the, you know, whoever sort of um, in charge of our, but you know I'm saying, in charge of our birth. Yeah, absolutely. Who's in charge of your vagina? (laughs) It's interesting. I've read a um, a bit about the fact that often when your body goes into labour, you're sort of... um, by the time you, if you do if you do go into hospital, then often the actual environment in the hospital, so bright lights, loud noises, mm. physically forces your body to sort of um, it, regress. It triggers. Well, what the it labor. does is that it triggers the fight or flight response. Mm. So for all people, they have um, a response which is called the fight or flight response, and it's designed to save your life. It's yeah. survival mode, and you produce adrenaline, and adrenaline is there to save your life. So for a lot of women, like what do they associate with hospital? Do you ever go to hospital for fun? Absolutely. You're there because <laughs> someone is dying, or because yeah. you've broken your leg or because your kid has stuck a twiggly up its nose you're never there for fun and so as soon as they get to that environment for a lot of women what will happen is they will trigger that response and if the body goes into survival mode then delivering a baby is not a priority the priority is saving your life so blood and oxygen goes to the defense systems away from the uterus and the birthing muscles and it just stops or it becomes really painful and it doesn't happen as efficiently as it's as, as it's designed to. Mm, um, so for what I, you know, I don't think all women should have home births. I don't all think no. all women should have hospital births. But what I always say, and what we definitely say at the Calm Birth School is, have your baby where you feel safe and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And research your environment. Go and see the hospital. Go, do a virtual tour. Speak to your midwife about how you can make the environment more comforting and more um, relaxing so that mm. you don't trigger that response on the day. Are there any sort of basic um exercises or thought process that people can start <clears throat> thinking about from the moment they find out they're pregnant absolutely so definitely you know i know clem is a big advocate of this like creating a lovely birth environment so thinking about what you want to um create for your birthing environment so not having bright fluorescent strip lights you know thinking about nice lighting that's going to make you feel relaxed using aromatherapy so it doesn't smell of bleach and hand gel um <laughs> you know just creating a birth playlist so having music that makes you feel good maybe the the playlist from your wedding breakfast or whatever it was that that brings up those feelings of feeling loved and happy and all of those things and then doing the preparation with some kind of course so that you can learn breathing techniques that are going to facilitate what's happening in your body um, learning visualization techniques to help you almost get away to your little safe place so that no matter what's going on you've got your kind of little 
um, haven inside in, yeah. in your mind that you can retreat to and where you can feel safe and then that your and then your body will work really efficiently definitely and you know picking up on what holly's saying if you are having hospital birth you know in all the birthing rooms whether it's a labor ward or um like a, um, a birth center or a birth suite you know get the lights turned down get your partner to find out where the light switch is and then yeah. he can be in charge of that yeah. you know <clears throat> taking in maybe your own pillow your own blanket mm. anything that makes you feel homely warm soft obviously you can't take candles into a hospital but you ask can get those about... like little led ones yeah, can't you? yeah they're quite good yeah ask if they've got aromatherapy a lot of units are now using them but if not obviously you're free to take your own your own aromatherapy and it's just making that home comfort for mm. you yeah brilliant when, when women come to you with that sort of initial question and a lot of obviously a lot of people will have discussed it with their partners and family and friends and have an idea but you know if someone's to come to you and sort of ask you whether you think they should have a cesarean they're fear, you know they're fearful or whether they should try for a home birth or or they should have a water birth or how do you start sort of what are the kind of questions you should be asking yourself to prepare for that kind of decision what should the women be asking yeah their midwives yeah um, or asking themselves and sort of what what, how do you sort of, you know, what's the criteria for somebody that you would say absolutely you should have a home birth or absolutely mm. you should have a hospital birth? Does it work like that? And are there sort of indicators that you can look out for? I mean, I think what we have to remember is birth is generally safe for women. Yeah. Um, there are um, medical conditions that women may come to when they're pregnant, which um, can make, um, for example, a home birth slightly more risky. Mm. Um, women who have maybe got things like epilepsy or if they're um, diabetic, um, that it would then be recommended that they do have a baby in hospital. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to have a cesarean section, but they just want them to have their baby in hospital for various reasons. Um, it's never a midwife's um, kind of role to tell women where they should be having their baby. We should be empowering women and giving them as much information as we can for women to kind of be exploring these ideas themselves. Mm. Um, I think um, a lot of um, fear comes into childbirth. You know, women will say, oh, my mum had three cesarean sections mm. and um, the first one was really traumatic and she nearly died. And so I always ask women about, like, what was your sister's birth like and your mum's and finding out what they, um, what ideas have they got? If you've grown up as a, you know, a teenager hearing negative things about birth, what's going to happen when you become a mother yourself? Yeah. You know, if your mother has told you birth was awful, you know, it was terrible, or, oh, it was great, I had an elective section, didn't mm. fit a thing, it was all scheduled, then what does that tell you when you're going into mm. um, have your babies and yeah. start your family? Um, certainly talking to friends as well, I think, is really important. I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for women sharing um, really negative birth stories. Do you think? Yeah, That's I think Yeah, I think it's just really damaging, especially when you're pregnant. Um I just think it's it's really unfair to be mm -hmm. telling someone about an experience that either you've had or you may have heard someone say. And can I can, can I just explain why it's so damaging? Yeah, yeah, go. Because what happens is, you know, what a lot of people don't realise is that what really is working under the surface is your subconscious mind. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of responsible for 70% of our behaviour and, you know, what we do. And the subconscious mind is a bit like a hard drive. Mm. So it um, stores experiences and it dictates how our experiences are felt. So what happens is when we have our own experience of something, say we go skiing and we fall over loads, we think, oh, I don't want to do that anymore because I, I fall over loads and that's, that's what happens when I go skiing. With something like birth, especially for first-time mums, if they haven't had their own birth experience, their subconscious mind will look for what birth looks like. Mm. It will look for the clothes 
closest thing they can find to what birth is. And if that's negative birth stories and things like One Born Every Minute and, you know, Hollywood films where women are on their back screaming, mm. your subconscious mind says, oh, okay, that's what birth looks like. Yeah, and it and plops it in your box for, mm. for what birth looks like so mm. that when you have your own experience, you bring up all of those feelings because that's what you, what you expect birth to be like. Yeah. Now, I saw a really interesting video of um, women birthing in the Congo. And there were a line of women, they were stood in the Congo and they were birthing their babies. They were in labour and they were singing and chanting and looking at each other and talking with each other. And their babies were coming out of them and they were bringing up to their chest and they were laughing and joyous and crying. And it was a really, really emotional experience. Mm. And the guy narrating said, these women do not experience pain because they don't expect mm. to experience expect pain. Mm -hmm. So they've grown up. They don't watch one point every minute. <laughs> All they see is other women having mm. these joyful birth experiences. And so that's what they get. And then their young children see that. And, yeah. and so, so girls, the norm. Yeah, yeah, girls are growing up seeing birth this way. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. amazing. I, we were on holiday a couple of years ago and in, the, um, in our hotel room, we had a film on in the background, not really watching it. And it was something like knocked up. So woman, yeah. stirrups, sweat, yeah. punching, you but know. still looking kind of perfect. Yeah, still, looking, <laughs> still had her eyelashes curled. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and um, my son, who was like two and a half at the time, he said, Daddy, what's happening to that woman? So even his language, what's happening to her, yeah. as if she was passive in some kind of mm. what was going on. And my husband said, oh, she's having a baby. And then I ran in from the bathroom and said, but birth doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it sounds funny, but that was his first view of what birth looks like. Yeah. Mm. And actually, you know, you realise how that from a very young age, we're programmed to see birth as something medical, mm. painful, traumatic. Yeah. And it takes a lot to challenge those beliefs. So a lot of what we do at the Calm Birth School is about fear release. Yeah. So acknowledging that we have those fears, where they've come from, society, and then releasing them yeah. so that they don't have to influence our birth when the time comes. And that is such an important part. And I think it's vital that every woman does that. Yeah. Fear release is absolutely, you know, fundamental to a positive birth experience. Yeah. When I came to London and started working in a London um, hospital on the labour ward, um, I trained in Bristol, which is predominantly a, um, a, white, a white culture um, and a few Somalians, but in London it, there's um, a high population of African women. And the way they birthed just blew my mind. I just yeah. couldn't believe it. And it took me months to get used to the way they were birthing because they were standing, they were chanting, yeah. they were singing, they were doing very different physical actions that I'd seen Caucasian women do. And they don't birth on the bed. And if you mentioned epidural to them, they would just say, no, 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 no. no. Because, you know, they've come from a culture where you know, they've watched their friends, their sisters, their aunties birth in the way that women should be birthing. Yeah. You know, it's a very Western way mm. that we see, just like Holly's describing, women on their back with their legs up, with mm. a doctor gowned up, masked, ready to birth their yeah. baby. White coats. Yeah. <laughs> ready to medicate and yeah. control. Yeah. yeah. Control, exactly. manage the women. Yeah. yeah. Manage yeah. Them Managing rather than it. empower yeah. them. I want to talk a bit about emotion and also relationships because I was thinking about mm. sort of, I think that, you know, it's very different the way that men and women respond to finding out that you're pregnant and mm. and to having a baby. And I think, and obviously for women, a lot of it is hormonal driven. So even if you weren't expecting to have a baby and it's a surprise, <laughs> you might come around to the idea more more quickly because of the hormonal sort of help. Um, and just thinking about the questions that dads might have <clears throat> and how you sort of restructure your relationships and the dynamics mm. of how you treat each other. Because... I, so many many women I talk to talk about how their relationships are affected by having a baby mm. and pregnancy and 
how you know dealing with your changing body so what sort of in terms of um preparing and bolstering your relationship I suppose and sort of informing yourselves enough to know that there's, there could be potentially you know changes to mm. to your relationship um, and sort of allowing yourself to prepare for that what advice would you give <laughs> Clemmy? Interesting um, when I found out I was pregnant with my first um, daughter my husband and I had only been together a year okay um, we were fresh out of university and you know starting that that life you do when you're 23 and not sure you know, we were living together and it was, um, as you can see, totally unplanned baby. Um, so it was really interesting because we didn't actually know each other that well, even yeah. though you think you do. When I look now, you know, we've only been together 10 years this summer, I think. Um, and I look now about how we are as a couple now and actually how much stronger we are now, possibly because we've now had two children and mm. bought a house and marriage and all those stresses that come with it. Yeah. I just think... God, I think we were both really naive to think that, you know, that our relationship could even get through this. Yeah. I just thought it would be totally fine <laughs> and he loved me and I wasn't going to listen to anything my parents were saying that you should not be having a baby at 22 and a half. Um, but, you know, then you've got the flip side of couples that have been together years and years and had a wonderful kind of 10, 15 years earning mm. good money, having great holidays. They've got a lovely house. Then they think, you know what, we're 38, how, however old, we better get on with it. Mm. And then suddenly... This pregnancy changes everything, you know, not just emotionally, but physically. I mean, you know, I'm sure you can both remember this. The moment you find out you're pregnant, you feel awful. You don't want anyone to touch you. Your boobs are really sore. Even though you were fine three seconds ago. Yeah, suddenly. (laughs) Oh, my boobs. Oh, my God. Don't touch me. You're going to have to sleep in a bra. You know, you may be feeling really sick. Or with a box around you. Yeah. You're in the Don't come near my box. (laughs) You know, I think guys have a really hard time. Not saying that we don't as women, but yeah. you know, it's so abstract. And sometimes feel on the outside of it. Totally, as well, they don't they have think, periods, uh, do what they? What do I have to do here? They don't understand that hormonal no. fluctuations we have. You know, you know what it's like as a woman. One minute you're just top of the world, next minute you're screaming because yeah. they've left the lid off the toothpaste. Yeah. I remember when I was when I first found out. No, actually, I don't, I don't think I knew I was pregnant. Actually, so I was pregnant, <laughs> didn't know, and some flowers in my flat had died, and I was so upset about it. I was like distraught. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I can't even look after these flowers. And like, you know, I don't even think I went to work that day. I felt so traumatised by these dying tulips. But it was like, what's going on? Am I, yeah. am I going mental? Like, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's quite scary to be in that. Whereas yeah, for a man, they're just it. thinking, she's a psycho. Yeah. So yeah. potentially scarier. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that woman and I'm with her. Yes, great. And now I'm tied to her for 18 yeah. years. <laughs> and also, I just don't think they're ever going to get it right, are they? And we know, and we know that from you know having babies ourselves and and, um trying to kind of manage our emotions and our expectations and our husbands I mean guys are notoriously not very good at talking anyway but you know I would encourage if you're feeling particularly rubbish and really heavily pregnant and swollen you know get your mate to go and meet and get your husband to go meet a friend that's had a baby so that they can just kind of find some common ground and go oh yeah mate that's normal yeah let's have a pint and you know guys Mm. don't really like talking they don't really want to go into much detail and there's loads of great books out there i've seen you know i think there's like the bloke's guide to pregnancy or a to z of pregnancy although i think some of those books are quite patronizing to dads i think they can take this oh you know if she's moody it's because of this like well hang on give blokes a bit more credit sometimes Mm -hmm. of um you know again like it is for women if you empower them if you educate them they can actually be really really great Um, and especially in labor you know I think a birth partner a really good birth partner 
is invaluable to a positive birth experience. Yeah. And if a, if a birth partner, whether that's your husband or um, a partner or whatever, if they know how to support you in labour and your pregnancy, they can really hold the space which allows you to relax and go within and feel safe and birth comfortably. So actually, I think with the right kind of education and support, birth partners and dads can be just amazing in the mm. whole process. It's just about them being on board with it. So, you know, like at the Calm Birth School, we really egg on the the importance of the birth partner and say look this is for you too yeah. this is a team effort this yeah. isn't something mum does while you watch and pace yeah. the corridor oh checking the God. football yeah. results you are important here and if you can learn how to support mum it's going to be amazing and yeah. it's that kind of intimacy that you can share and you think we did that together that's yeah. amazing high yeah. five us just returning to what you were saying earlier about the fact that you do caseloading yeah um, and i was talking about the significance i interviewed um Kathy Warwick, who's the mm. head of the Royal College of Midwives and completely amazing. She was talking about the the sort of the impact of continuity continuity of care mm-hmm. on outcomes for women mm-hmm. in terms of their sort of mental, emotional well being and massive. also Yeah, for babies. So I mean, what is the state of play? Because I know back then she was the, there was definitely a drive towards trying mm. to get as much continuity continuity of care, which just to clarify means having seeing the same midwife throughout yeah. your pregnancy. Mm. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable the difference it does make. And not just for the women, actually, but for the midwives in terms of our job satisfaction. You know, I always feel fulfilled by the care that I'm giving. There are days when I feel, you know, quite tired or if I've been up a lot for my own calls. Um, But we have really good team support um, within our team of six midwives. You know, if you've been up all night, then you that day is your sleep day and then your colleagues will pick up the visits and, and what have you. But being with that woman from the moment she comes to you when she's pregnant at say 10 weeks to the point where she births her baby i mean it's just it's nothing mm-hmm. better you feel like you're with your best friends and your sisters yeah. you know you know the, we know the stu- there's i mean numerous of studies um we know the outcomes are better for women we yeah. just know that um lower c-section rate lower induction rate higher breastfeeding rate um lower postnatal depression rate um lower infant mortality rate mm. you know we just when I think when a woman goes into labour and she knows the person that's going to be attending her birth, I mean, it just makes it's must make such a difference. Yeah. Get to, I say to my women, I'm going to come and book you at home, for example. So we book them between nine and 11 weeks before they have their scan. And um, I said, really like your partner to be there. And the women are sort of like, oh, really? Oh, okay. And I really make that important. I'm like, he can take time out of work to be there because I want to yeah. meet you both, yeah. you know. I'm going to be then you become you. a team. Don't exactly. You? I don't want to just kind of meet the guy in labour because it's yeah. awful looking in the notes. Like, what's his name? Tom, yeah, Tim. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> and also that's part of what we were saying before about the making it inclusive. Absolutely. And not in a weird, like, patronising kind of way, yeah. but because it is. And if that and if that's, you know, coming at it as a, at it, as a team, as a mm. sort of unified pet, mm-hmm. totally. you're going to have every yeah. chance of actually withstanding it. Not that, you know, having a child is like some sort of trauma, but, you know, you need to come at it together. Yeah. And, and, if, and, and a woman needs, needs people by her side on her side that's what a woman needs in labor you know i will hug men in labor you know men have (laughs) cried on me in labor and that is fine and i feel that that is totally appropriate and you know when i watch this couple working together in labor talking about like what holly was saying about the role of the dad in labor honestly my heart is just breaking because i'm like they're so in love and you know you can kind of see their relationship changing and building again and Mm their excitement and their you know oh we're gonna and have vulnerability as yeah, well yeah it's amazing you know, seeing that it's quite an intimate thing to it's, witness yeah isn't it? you know you, there's times when i think you know i might just step away from the situation because yeah. you kind of you know we talk a lot about oxytocin that holly was talking about earlier about um 
fight and flight and oxytocin is a thing that you know when we're having sex you know we yeah it's great isn't it we all feel (laughs) as even after you've had a baby that high you're on Mm, and um you know that has to be really present in labor and a lot of couples i know are snogging in labor Mm, really lovely and i'll just take a take a moment and just step outside because i'm like this is their space and thinking about the kind of things like on a so on a practical note so Mm. uh, on, on reflection i will never ever <laughs> to have a baby in a yellow nightgown mm. with a oh, lot of tinted really moisture. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Don't do that again. Because one of my <laughs> nine midwives that I had during my first like two, that like, is four day stint. Well, I was I was in labour for four days, so it was a bit like, well, can you know, yeah. they have to go and sleep. Hi. Uh, yeah. One of the midwives said, "Oh, you're still here. You look like a big banana." It's like, okay, that is first of all way too familiar. Second of all, that's a lesson. Not a, yeah. not loads yeah. of yellow. It's not the look I was going and for. Makeup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only tinted moisturiser though. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I had yeah. four days, so obviously I'd just been sort of layering it generously every two hours. So you were putting it on in labour? Yeah, but things I was labouring and yeah. the contractions were showing on the machine, but I just wasn't feeling okay. the pain. Yeah. So you obviously been at they home. just weren't working. I should well I I mean who knows? I genuinely believe that if I hadn't had a cesarean, I would still be pregnant. You'd still be in labour applying <laughs> like, on that tinted yeah, moisturiser. Exactly. I would be a very different colour to the colour that I am today. And thicker um, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> So in terms of sort of practical things that people can think about putting in their birth bag, mm-hmm. what mm. would be your top tips? I think something to make people laugh. Ah. <laughs> something I always say yeah. is um, like take an iPad or something yeah. where you can watch funny material because laughter produces endorphins. Ah. And when you're producing endorphins, you can't produce adrenaline. So if you focus on producing endorphins and oxytocin, you don't have to worry about anything else. And laughter is a great way to do that. So mm, definitely that something funny. Really and don't rely on dads for stand-up material. Definitely have some tried yeah. and trusted, <laughs> you know, funny mm. stuff. Yeah, perfect. And how about you, Clemmie? Um, I think people kind of underestimate actually what they're going to want to wear in labour, your yeah. example yeah. of your yellow nightie. <laughs> yeah. You know, people are very much like, oh, I'm going to like wear this and this white cotton. Like, yeah. actually, you get a bit hot and sweaty. Um, hospitals are notoriously hot anyway. Mm. Um, you know, everything's plastic covered. Yeah. So um, just wear what you... Imagine when you're... Most home. hungover. What? Most hungover. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. The in comfiest, a, softest In a hot thing. country with in, no aircon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. So um, I wore my one of my husband's first choice t-shirts that he um, <laughs> got on his gap year, and uh, we've still got it actually because it kind of now has become a bit of a joke. And yeah. if he's doing any like decorating, he'll often wear it. And um, just loads of pairs of pants, black yeah. pants always. Yeah. yeah. Good size 14. Everyone's got a pair of those special knickers yeah. that time of the month. <laughs> um, some people wear, you know, like slippers, soft, comfy socks, because actually you can get a bit cold in labour. Yeah. yeah. And especially afterwards, you know, when you've given birth, you can actually feel a bit shocked, a bit shivery, a bit yeah. like if you've done like a massive workout. Yeah. And some nice soft socks are always really nice. Mm, yeah. um, a wide headband, I would always go by with my massive fringe, yeah. which isn't naturally straight. So when I was in the pool, <laughs> I, d- I was at one point, I was like, I really don't want to get my hair wet because I washed it and blow dried it this morning. And then obviously <laughs> labour took over and I immersed myself in the pool. And at one point I thought, yeah, this is going to end badly, curly fringe. So just, I remember I had one of these massive hairbands, which was really, really useful. And I always tell women when they um, pack their laid bag, unpack it, put it out all over the bed at home and get your partner to pack yes. it. Oh. Because the amount of labours I've been on, I've gone, 
um, you know, the woman said, oh, can I just have my um, lip balm or um, my hairband? Mm. And the guy goes, yeah, okay. What's a hairband? And they're in the bag <laughs> and they're pulling out a maternity breast yeah, pad yeah. or a nappy. And, you know, you, when you're in labour, you need things now yeah, and yeah. you need it there and then. <laughs> and I always think guys love a little roll. They love yeah. a job to do, don't they? Yeah. So get them to pack the bag. And if they want to put post-its all over the things and they know exactly yeah. where everything is. It's a spray bottle's always really good. You can yes. buy these like posh fancy face mist but actually that. just one of those yeah. like squirty yeah. water bottles even with yeah. a bit of lavender in or something yeah just something with really a nice good smelling. yeah and a little handheld fan they're quite yeah good. they're really That's good yeah idea. with battery yeah. and spare batteries obviously because yeah. yeah. then your partner can hold, hold that i've had a lot of women yeah. using kind of those paper mache sick bowls that you get in hospitals as a That's nice as a fan <laughs> yeah <laughs> yourself with a sick bowl <laughs> couple of flannels <laughs> flannels are really good yeah, hot yes. flannels cold flannels you yeah. may want a cold flannel on your head or your neck Mm. Um, you may want a hot flannel on you. Yeah. Having a um, if you're having a home birth, putting a hot water bottle, filling it with water, and putting it in the freezer because oh, they stay cold idea. forever. Do they? Ah, yes. That's a top so then tip. you can um, yeah, yeah and, just keep yourself. And vice versa, cool. actually, I took a hot water bottle into hospital when I was being a juice. Yeah. Filled it with um with boiling water and had it. I had um, an induction, so I had a pessary, and I had I, I never expected to, but I had this horrible low period type like pelvic pain mm. and I just wedged this hot water bottle in between my legs and mm. waddled around labelled much to my um colleagues amusement <laughs> the deck. I know they're like oh hi it's you and I was like oh shit <laughs> but um yeah that's a really good tip actually the yeah. cold one I, I was at home Beth the other day and um she birthed her baby um really well all went fine and her husband got out a sanitary pad from the freezer Ooh. and um she'd put she was Australian and this is really popular in Australia it's a sanitary pop <laughs> And such on it. Delicious. No. <laughs> and she'd put some um, tea tree yeah. um, oil oh, on it mm. um, and some, uh, must have been carrot, or maybe it was lavender and tea tree. She put it and put them in the freezer. So afterwards, as as anyone that's had a vaginal birth, feel a bit ouchy down there and you feel a bit swollen, pop that in as that's your pad. And she said it was just so lovely and soothing. Mm, good top a, tip. That is a really good tip. I've not seen that before. No, she said really like big that. in Australia. Yeah. Well, they know a thing or two. They do. Um, conversely, I was all expecting to have this amazing water birth and come out. So I had harem pants, which mm. I thought was genius because mm. obviously, yeah, yeah. After, Hang you know, the Hang bruising. Low. Yeah. Yeah. But then I ended up having a cesarean and Ooh. they were I Dungarees. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a onesie. Yeah. Um, I ended up, it was all right because I could actually pull them up because they're harem yeah. pants. Mm. But you do make sure if there is a chance that you're going to have a cesarean, which is always a possibility, I just, yeah. you know, just be prepared to have something that isn't touching your waist. Yes. yes. And also don't think because you're young and fit that you're going to jump back out in your size. Yeah. Totally. I never, after my cesarean, I remember my brother coming to see me in the hospital <laughs> and he said, so it's your floating have head you experience. Had a baby yet? <laughs> no, he said, he said, are they all your bandages? I said, no, no. That's my fat. That's just my fat. <laughs> Oh no. Oh, <laughs> brothers. I think you just, because you don't realise you're still going to have a tummy off. Well, you do now, but you know, mm. I think for a lot of women, they just think, oh, well, when the baby's out, it's just yeah. going back to gone. normal. No, because you have. You still look pregnant. What is your placenta? Your uterus. That's gone. Your uterus. There you go. Thank you. Your placenta. You have out. a midwife. <laughs> yeah. Is it your placenta? <laughs> oh. not clearly speaking. <laughs> uh. Yeah, because it's your uterus, and then you've got all the liquid. It's all retracted. Bruising. Oh, and it's just yeah. Yeah. you know excess fluid, lots of gas. You know, yeah. it's not. It's it's think what, and on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening, and just to say that everything that we've talked.
talked about we'll sort of run through on the site motherland.net so please Ooh. take a look and we will link through great to website. both guests thank you very Aww. much thanks Charlotte <laughs> and it's been great talking to you both Aww, you thank too. you thank you thanks Charlotte <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. And if you want more information on any of the subjects we've been talking about, please visit us at motherland.net. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast, which will be going on every week or so. You can find us on our site, motherland.net, or on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, or if you don't, or if you have any ideas about things that we should be talking about, please get in touch. We'd love to hear any ideas for subjects you'd like to hear covered. And if you have any feedback on any subject whatsoever, please get in touch. The email address is hello at motherland.net, or you can tweet us at motherlandnet or instagram motherlandnet or facebook just to vary up a little bit motherland network thanks very much for listening and we hope to see you again next time